Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Here is a fascinating question. If you were asked to answer this question, what would you answer? The question is, what is the basis of civilization? Some would respond that it is wheat, food for the sustenance of life. Others might say the taming of fire. What would you say? I came across an article that placed the response to the question as type. That's right, type. The printer's typeface. Of course, today, with our advancing technology, many younger folk would probably not grasp the significance of the answer right away, though many, after thinking about it a while, would be inclined to agree, I suspect. Long before anyone ever imagined that a person could sit before a computer screen and compose brilliant graphics in many shapes and sizes of the printed word, then produce immediately a printed copy of the screen and as many copies and colors as desired. Long before anyone could imagine such a thing, men had to sit at a table and painstakingly assemble multiple rows of letters, letters made from molded lead, all laid out precisely, laid backwards actually, forming words and paragraphs. These rows of backward letters would then be inked and pressed down on sheets of paper, making the impression of those letters and producing words so that people could read them. There was an explosion of knowledge at the time. Then came the printing press that automated the process significantly, allowing multiple copies to be run off at fast rates of speed. Fast according to their day, of course. More copies into the hands of more people sooner. The name Gutenberg now must come to mind, and the first printed Bible that was suddenly now available, available to the man on the street. More on that in a moment. Here's our first song call. Yeah. 
from which I gleaned much of this information and the springboard to the commentary this morning mentioned the crucial importance of Gutenberg, his new printing press, and the now famous Bible that he printed. But the author of this piece had a perspective on it that frankly challenged me. The first Gutenberg Bible was printed around 1455, almost 600 years ago. The journalist who wrote the article, in making mention of the importance of that first printed Bible, allowed that its introduction and distribution to the common folk not only paved the way for the development and spread of commerce, which led to all sorts of wonderful improvements in our lifestyles, but, and here's where I take issue with the writer, not only in commerce, but the spread of the Bible among regular folk, he said, broke the hold of the church on the people. Up to this invention, the Bible was the domain of the priest. Only priests had access to the scripture, and it was they who read to the people, and most importantly, interpreted the scriptures for the people. After Gutenberg, those scriptures were now able to be widely distributed into the hands of more and more people who were able to read in their own language and able to make their own decisions, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, they too were able to read and understand God's word. So the writer interprets his access to the scripture as having been the instrument that broke the hold, the controlling influence that the church had on the people. I suppose this is true in some respects, but thank God I have a Bible of my own and I can read it in freedom and see what God has to say to me in private. This, I dare say, is the true basis of civilization. Hope you agree.
with his message for today here is senior pastor emeritus alan lee happy 41st bahamaland happy 41st happy independence day but now let me ask you a question why do you think it is that man seems to be inherently bent toward wanting to be independent webster defines independence as relying only on oneself or one's own abilities, judgment, etc. Self-confident, self-reliant, free from the influence, control, or determination of another or others. Free from the rule of another, controlling or governing oneself. Self-governing. That's Webster's definition of independence or independent. So we can say, Freedom is the underlying motivation for independence. In fact, independence is freedom. So we conclude that countries that want independence are countries that want to be free. Free, as we say, to do their own thing. But now it's not only countries that have this desire or motivation. Institutions want to be free to do their own thing. Churches want to be free to do their own thing. Individuals want to be free to do their own thing. That's the essence of independence, freedom. Let's look at it. First, countries want to be independent. I believe it's safe to say that more nations have become independent in this century, the 20th century that is, than in any other century in the history of the world. Africa and Europe are current evidences of this, as is our own Bahamaland. We are 41 years today as an independent nation. We are free from the 200 plus years rule, control and government of England. We are a 41 year old self-governing nation. We have political freedom as well as all of the other freedoms that go along with such a status in today's world. Unlike our 241-year-old independent neighbor to the north, our motivations for independence was not a religious one that led to political freedom. For the most part, I believe it is true for us to say that we have always enjoyed religious freedom here. Our motivation for independence was purely political. We enjoyed all the other freedoms, such as freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and so on. We sought political freedom from Mother England, and we got it. And Bahamians rejoiced over that achievement 41 years ago, even as we do today. 
I doubt, however, that we fit into the other aspects of independence where we can rely only on oneself or one's own abilities and be completely self-reliant. In fact, I know that any nation, including our independent neighbor to the north, can boast such a status. Serious internal problems arise when we live with the attitude that we don't need anyone because, as we say as Bahamians, we is independent. Our own dependence upon tourism as the basic means of our economic existence testifies to this fact. But second, institutions want to become independent, including churches, as we are here at Calvary Bible Church. We describe ourselves as a non-denominational, independent Bible church. Now, I believe this is a good kind of independence, even a biblical one. However, again, it has only to do with self-governing, self-determining, and self-supporting. It has nothing to do with exclusivism and the kind of independence that cuts us off from cooperating, fellowshipping, and uniting with other local churches that hold to the basic fundamentals of biblical and historic Christianity. The Bible knows nothing of such independence. Rather, it teaches an interdependence among the churches of Jesus Christ throughout the world. Again, much spiritual problems arise in a church that thinks and behaves otherwise. But third, individuals also want to become independent. For instance, children want to become independent of their parents, and they should, but only at the right time. The problem is that many children want to become independent to do their own thing when they are incapable of supporting their own thing or bearing the consequences of doing their own thing. They want to come and go as they please, to do whatever they wish to do with whomever they wish to do it with. But the only thing is, they want their parents to pay the bills for their doing it, feeding them, clothing them, educating them, and taking care of them when they are sick or even in jail. They are actually dependent independence. Perhaps a more accurate term is juvenile delinquent. However, I want to propose to you today that although independence may be good for a country in its relationship with another country, or with regard to an institution with another institution, and even with an individual toward another individual, independence is never good for a person in his relationship to God. I say again, independence is never good for a person in his relationship to God. Man should never be free from the control of God in his life. This, in fact, I believe, is the basic cause for not only some, but all of the personal, domestic, social, religious, and economic ills of mankind. They are seeking to live a life independent of God. And so my thesis for this message on this Independence Day is that man's spiritual bondage is result of his chosen independency of God. Or to state it another way, man is not really free or independent until he ratifies his declaration of dependency upon God through Jesus Christ. Now, a passage of scripture that speaks to this truth is John chapter 6 and John chapter 8. The apostle says, for instance, in 8 verse 30, 
I'm going through verse 32, John 8, 30, 32. Jesus speaking, he says, The one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is stating the essence of being a believer, not a condition for discipleship. A true believer disciple is one who continues to obey the word of God. You see, Jesus' teaching attracted many peoples to him. They liked most of the things he said, especially about the coming kingdom. But John shows that it was possible to believe about the message of repentance and the kingdom without truly being born again. This is clearly shown in chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, where, after stating some hard things, some hard sayings, some of his professing disciples left him. Here is what is said in verse 66, quote, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. End of quote. A true believer disciple is one who continues to obey the word of God. But now notice the result of being a true disciple. John 8.32 And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now the truth here is the truth concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ. In fact, it is Christ himself. The knowing is a personal knowledge that is appropriated to one's life by faith in the one who said, I am the truth. Notice the result of this appropriation. The truth will set you free. Now what kind of freedom is Jesus talking about here? Listen to what some of the professing believers thought he was talking about. Verse 63. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. So what do you mean you will be set free? This is amazing. They were thinking about political freedom, but Jesus was talking about the most important freedom of all, spiritual freedom. You see, friends, if one really grasped the message of Jesus Christ, they would find salvation truth. Knowing and appropriating this salvation truth would liberate you from your spiritual bondage. The blindness of these people to their spiritual state clouded the true state of their political dilemma. They forgot about their slavery in Egypt. They forgot about their subjugating to other nations during the time of the judges and during the, their exile in Babylon and even their current subjugation to Rome. In spite of all of this, they said, we would never be in bondage or in slavery to any man. In fact, they said, we were never in bondage or in slavery to any man. You see, they had no sense of their bondage to sin. They actually believed that their physical and ancestral relationship to Abraham exempted them from spiritual danger. To put it in modern Bahamian terms, they believed that because they were citizens of a so-called Christian nations, they were personally all right with God. 
But notice now Jesus' response in verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. The King James Version says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So, if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Now, in the King James Version, the twice-repeated verily gives notice that Jesus is about to make a profound and vital truth. What is that truth? It is that anyone who continually commits sin is a slave to sin. The emphasis is upon continually commits. It is in the present tense, indicating a way of life, not just an occasional experience. And so Jesus is saying, if you are always committing sin, then sin is your master. You are not free at all. You are enslaved to doing what your master wants you to do, no matter what you think your political status may be. And so the issue is not physical genealogy, but spiritual kinship. Jesus is the true son and the seed of Abraham and God's house or kingdom. The son of a family has permanent status within it. Jesus extended his analogy by stating that while a son is rightfully a partaker of family privileges, only the son can confer or give them. The hope for real freedom then does not lie in the ancestry of Abraham, but in the action of Jesus Christ. If one really grasped his message, they would find salvation truth, and knowing and appropriating this salvation would then liberate them from their spiritual bondage. And this is true freedom, freedom indeed, a freedom that lasts. And as we celebrate our 41st year as an independent nation, we must be reminded that the real freedom man is looking for cannot be found in the Bahamas or America or in any other country in the world. Political freedom is not the ultimate freedom. True, lasting, ultimate freedom, spiritual freedom, spiritual independence can only be found in Jesus Christ. He won the battle for man's independence and freedom from sin more than 2014 years ago on a rugged hill outside a small town called Jerusalem. He began his declaration of freedom from sin for mankind with the words, It is finished, when he died in their place for the penalty of their sin. He made it possible, my friends, for you to be free, free indeed. That's the only time we will truly be free, free at last, free at last. Great God Almighty, free at last. Freedom, true freedom, spiritual freedom, I say, comes only through dependence upon Jesus Christ. Do you have it on this Independence Day? As always, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. Be when the 
Savior comes from heaven, when His blessed face we see. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. The great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every morning for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be Happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every morning for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling. in a moment Jesus Christ could come again